The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Development, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. Housing affordability is a North American-wide issue. In the U.S., only seven states and Washington, D.C. have imposed rent controls as a measure to address housing affordability. Only seven states, largely because it is believed they don't work. In a poll conducted by the American Economic Association, 93% of its members agreed that a ceiling on rent controls reduces the quality and quantity of housing. David Hutniak, the CEO of Landlord BC, in a recent letter to Premier Eby said, rent control is a flagship political tool and a promise that is far more complex than it first appears. It is not the comprehensive form of tenant protection it is billed to be. While it is commonly accepted that rent controls benefit current tenants, it does so at the expense of future ones. Hutniak further pointed out that rent control is a blunt tool that continually delivers negative blows to the BC rental housing market. Tenants and landlords both want a balanced rental market. Hutniak adds, when the provincial government continues to penalize landlords for a problem created by all three levels of government, landlords and developers are less inclined to grow their businesses, less likely to build new rental housing, and the result is a reduction in supply of housing. I invited David Hutniak of Landlord BC to join me for a conversation that matters about effective ways to create affordable rental housing. Am I being a little harsh there about rent controls in that intro? And I know that I'm pulling from this letter that you wrote to David Eby, but there is this general sense amongst the, the public that, oh no, rent controls can help to keep housing affordable. Is that a mirage? It is, and and uh, there have been multiple studies uh, to to basically demonstrate that rent control uh, basically suppresses supply at the end of the day, and ultimately the folks who are hurt the most are those that you know governments are trying to help, which is renters, and and we can just look at British Columbia. The fact of the matter is we have a persistently low vacancy rates. And we're not building enough supply. We're, we have uh, large uh, immigration, which is a, a good thing. We, we need it, but it's exacerbating the situation. And what happens is when you have a huge demand, low supply, uh, not uh, building any new supply, certainly at scale, that it's, you know, there are renters who are going to be able to find some housing. Generally, they are you know, higher income earners, et cetera. And increasingly, it's the more vulnerable renters, lower income renters that get squeezed out of the market. And so, you know, it's, it's just, it's just uh, uh, an inappropriate sort of measure uh, to really address the supply issue. And, and I guess from our perspective, as, as the industry association representing owners and managers of rental housing, you know, we, we applaud the province for the many initiatives they're trying, but we just, we, we struggle to, to understand, uh, you know, why they don't consider the tool that probably, that will in fact, really address this issue, not just today, but in the long term. And that is 
you know, addressing the rent control issue, ideally uh, transitioning out of rent control. Do, do anybody or does anybody from the government actually give you a call as they're formulating this policy to say, this is what we're looking at doing. What do you think it might do to help to address the affordability and supply issues? Short answer, no. They don't and, even talk to you. No. And, and you know, I, I think uh, uh, governments of all political stripes struggle with this issue. Uh, but I, I think uh, the BC NDP government actually has a real opportunity here. And I'm not naive here. Mm. Obviously, renters are, you know, are significant constituency for the BC NDP uh, uh, at, the, at the polls. But, um, you know, if one really thinks about it, uh, uh, it is highly unlikely that renters will abandon the BC NDP in any provincial election. So I think there's an opportunity here for real thoughtful conversation and for the um, Premier Eby and Minister Kalan, who are totally focused on supply. They understand the challenges and the issues. And I sincerely believe they understand that rent control has a negative impact on supply. Uh, so, you know, it would be, I think, a, this is an opportunity. This is a, t a moment in time mm -hmm. here where I really think, uh, you know, we need, it's not just bold action. We obviously, obviously need, uh, uh, you know, to a sea change here in thinking. And, and so we're not, again, naive that uh, just to eliminate rent control uh, across the board is something that can readily be done. But we think that there's transition opportunities here and we know that there's a large cohort of renters in British Columbia who do not need the support of rent control. Uh, we believe it could be income tested. Uh, we believe that that's uh, going to give greater confidence to owners and developers of rental housing to invest in the existing stock, build more uh, new stock at scale. And, and it provides the government with an opportunity working with our sector to really provide more support for those who truly need it. And I think that's what we all should really be concerned about. And so, like I said, I think there's, this is a moment in time where we need to really just, uh, you know, for some extremely bold action. So that bold action that you're talking about is income testing. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Developments, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. So that bold action that you're talking about is income testing. Well, I mean, it's that a that would be that, one, one that, part of it. That right? would be the that would be the beginning of the transition to no rent control. I so, think so over some that. period of time, we would transition to no rent control. That's where that's the ultimate goal here in terms of from a long term perspective, in terms of truly ensuring that we have an overabundance of rental housing and purpose-built rental housing in particular. Um, the, the, the other issue is, you know, right now, the province is looking at different initiatives to encourage a secondary market. Uh, they announced uh, last week the uh, $40,000 uh, interest-free loan, pardon me, to build a, a basement suite, for example. So they're targeting that secondary market because they know that could that housing could come on board in like six months. Mm -hmm. It takes two, three years to build uh, an apartment building. So this 
transitional approach uh, as one idea to, to do that income testing, that would suddenly, in our view, open up a ton of secondary market housing, condos, basement suites, et cetera, because that, that whole market obviously is, is it's, it's there today. We know uh, the Vancouver Sun, um, uh, I guess uh, it was a study of some sort, but nevertheless, or survey, pardon me, they came back with uh, results that were staggering. They said 30% of people who have space to provide rental housing in their home mm -hmm. will not do it because they're afraid of getting uh, a, a tenant who, you know, bad tenant is how the survey put it. And also they feel the legislation is too, uh, you know, uh, much in favor of tenants. Now that, that was the survey. Uh, but it's a number that's startling, 30%. Said, so I'm not doing it no matter what. Absolutely. Yeah. So can you imagine if we created a more conducive environment to encouraging those people to do that? Again, that doesn't even take six months because they don't have to build anything. They have rentable units in their homes today. Uh, so, so uh, you know, we certainly believe that transitioning out of rent control would be one of those significant measures that would uh, encourage these folks to participate as long-term rental housing providers. So, you know, again, it's it's just, uh, it's an inter interesting opportunity in our view. It's it's a needed uh, uh, measure if we're really gonna solve this problem in the long-term. And uh, uh, yeah, we're, we're encouraging the province to seriously consider this. What else, what else can we do from your perspective? And the reason that I think that your perspective is valuable is that Nobody else talks to landlords. I, I think that it's better to keep landlords nameless and faceless because then you can point to those horrible, greedy people who are just making money off of uh, the poor's back. But yeah. we're, we're actually talking about people who care about providing rental housing. Yes, it's a business, but you know what else are landlords saying, well, I could do this and I could do this, except for the rules and regulations stand in the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, uh, we've always said that uh, the vast majority of renters are good renters, good tenants. The vast majority of landlords are good, uh, uh, good landlords. There's no question that there's bad actors on both sides of the equation here, and that's really unfortunate. But absolutely, you know, when we look at our member, uh, membership, you know, 3,300 members representing in the order of 175,000, 180,000 units of rental housing in the entire universe. Uh, you know, uh, two-thirds are in that secondary market uh, with uh, basement suites or investor condos, what have you. Two-thirds, that's Absolutely, a lot. which is yeah. representative of the actual universe. Right. That's basically two-thirds of the market in British Columbia, the secondary market landlord uh, of housing rental housing and and absolutely um, you know uh, many of the folks in the secondary market you know have uh, uh, a basement suite because they need that to maintain their own housing housing generally as we all know is is so expensive uh, here in British Columbia uh, it's become you know right now in the next 12 18 months, uh, I think, you know, we're going to see some very concerning uh, developments here where um, mortgages that 
or at one and a half, two and a half percent are going to be coming due. I mean, the banks are already, you know, giving the general public a heads up and saying that, you know, literally in 12 to 18 months, we're going to see some real pain uh, mm -hmm. coming out of this. So, so I think, you know, it's just a, it's a fantastic time to, to for government and to really look at at, you know, we need supply to come on stream really quickly. So what w let's take advantage of all the tools. And I think it's just really unfortunate that we continue to ignore the one that really will have the biggest and quickest impact. And like I said, it's, it's basically looking at removing price controls. You know, we, you know, we had the, the rent increase for 2023 is, you know, it's another example. So in the, we, we were, um, you know, the residential tenancy act specified specifies CPI was supposed to be 5.6%. It ended up being 3.5%. year before that, it was supposed to be 5.4%. It was 2%. So, I mean, the government has admitted that, you know, they need to sort of uh, not uh, intervene going forward. But but this is this is part of the challenge. And, and, mm -hmm. and again, I don't want to criticize a lot of the really good work they're doing. But uh, I think, like I said, they're ignoring a, a really important tool that could uh, be game, a game changer. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Developments, Stem Cell Technologies, and listeners like you. Let's say we take a look at one of these landlords that has a unit in their basement. Mm -hmm. Their mortgage is now coming up for renewal and they see the increase in the cost of their mortgage, they turn to their tenant and say, I'm in trouble, yeah. um, I need to raise my rent. And the tenant goes, no, you, you can't raise it that much. Yeah. What does that then do to the landlord? What are their options? And then what's the impact of that on the supply? Well, I mean, you know, the, the options are, are minimal, to be perfectly candid with you, because um, you know, barring the tenant breaching the tenancy agreement in some way, uh, you can't just simply end the tenancy. Uh, certainly, you know, we're seeing um, you know folks who may have a, a condo that they're renting out and it's not their principal residence. Um, often, there's an opportunity where they may uh, take it for personal use. So a son or a daughter may live, uh, live in the unit, but I mean, those opportunities need to be, uh, you know, uh, real and done in good faith. And, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so no, this is this is the thing. And and you know, we know uh, that there's a lot of these small landlords uh, who are really under financial pressure. Uh, we're also not immune to to the fact that uh, there's probably a whole lot of people who don't don't care about that. But uh, but the reality is we need to care uh, because right now the entire system is really at, at risk here. And and uh, though the last thing we need is I mean we we have seen many small landlords basically when the the, the tenant leaves what have you they rather than continuing in, in, the, in, in the industry, they basically have concluded, well, it's the risk, the risk and the liability is too high. Uh, it's better to just get out of it and I can get 6% or 5.5% on a GIC with no risk and it's a better rate of return. So, so that's happening, you know, it's not hyperbola. Right, uh, then they take that unit out of the market. Exactly. Alternatively, they might go, 
with this change in my uh, mortgage rates, not being able to get covered by or the, ob the, the contribution to my overall expenses that I was getting from rental, right. um, I might be forced to sell. And in doing so, that changes everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I think we're entering, uh, you know, um, some, a lot of unknowns, frankly, because, uh, you know, how quickly interest rates came up when interest rates were so low for so long, hist historically low interest rates. Uh, there's no question. There's a whole lot of people who over leveraged and, and, and purchased uh, th these, these units with the intention of renting them at, at the time. Um, and, and the other thing is many of them have variable rate mortgages. So, and again, there's a whole lot of people who probably don't care about that. But, but the reality is that certainly, you know, government needs to care about that because of, of what you, you've just said. I mean, you know, when this starts unfolding here again over the next 12, 18 months, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see. But I, I have to believe that there's going to be a whole lot of people trying to sell their condos, for example because they, you know, they won't be able to raise rent and they won't be able to keep up the mortgage. So without some kind of price control, how does the marketplace work uh, for renters who are going, whoa, 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 hang on a second. Yeah. But then how does that then benefit the market overall if we remove those price yeah. Uh, controls? Yeah, that's a real fair question. And, and no matter at any point in time, clearly moving from you know, no, from rent control to no rent control, you know, there's obviously opportunity for um, some, some serious, uh, uh, you know, pain for renters. So no one's suggesting that. Uh, what, this is why we're talking about a, sort of a transitional approach and the income testing, because again, like I said, we, we know there's a significant cohort of renters who can't afford market rent, do not need the protections of rent control. And, and uh, you know, and then, like I said, there is a whole significant cohort who need uh, some sort of support from government. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't necessarily agree that rent control is, is a solution here, but that's, that's you know, th uh, that's in existence today. And that's why a transitional approach, I think, would be uh, uh, fair to, should be fair to government and, and, and provide uh, uh, necessary protections for the most vulnerable. But... You know, it's it's a matter of, like, we're not. It's not even a crisis anymore. Housing is a disaster. Rental housing, in in particular, and you know, when we have wildfires or what mm -hmm. have you, you know, natural disasters, you know, government is always there, triages the situation, gets gets the solutions that are needed, whatever they might be. But we're not doing that here with rental housing in, in particular, and and. Again, we're not naive that there's there's philosophical issues here, there's political issues, but we just really think that this is the this is a tool that will for the in the long term, if we were to move to a you know eliminating uh, uh, price controls in the rental housing market, that uh, that is how we will solve solve this issue of the long term, and that could be like, that could be ten years, but yeah. that's that at least. We can, we can seriously uh, change where we are today. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of Audlin Brown, BD Development, Stem Cell Technologies, 
and listeners like you. And is that because now in that marketplace, there's a reasonable business case to be a landlord? And once more and more people and organizations enter that marketplace, the supply increases. As supply increases, vacancy rates fall, and the market then starts to determine what the rental rates will be. Well, absolutely. It, you, you create competition. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 I don't want to suggest that, you know, tomorrow if we build all this rental, it's all going to be affordable rental. It's going to be affordable to a whole lot of people. It's going to be attainable to a significantly larger cohort of, of folks. But absolutely, there's going to continue to be a cohort of, of uh, British Columbians who are renting their homes or are going to continue to need support. So that's where, you know, renter supports through portable housing benefits, the rent uh, tax credit that the province uh, is implementing uh, next year. I mean, there's a whole uh, toolbox of solutions there to help those who really truly need the help. But in the meantime, uh, instead of having the, these higher income earners, er, earning renters basically taking up the units that you know, th those more challenged economically uh, should have, you know, we have a huge supply over here mm -hmm. that they have access to. And, and the, the other thing is, I mean, again, we know this because we, 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 our industry more broadly studies it. Uh, you know, uh, a couple making $120,000, $150,000 a year, they would love to be able to move into a newer unit with more amenities, what have you. They'd love to have that choice. But, but basically, many of them are just forced to stay where, they're at because, where they are because there's nowhere to go. Right. So it's, it's the, the, whole, the whole system right now is it's just, it's just not working for anybody, whether you're you know, at the lower end of the income spectrum or even if you're making you know, a, a good annual family income. So, so you know, what, what we're saying is that the, 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 the conduit to, to really seeing huge growth in the construction of new rental housing will be uh, you know, uh, transitioning out of rent control. It, it, it's the one tool that works, and it's just, you know, we need to seriously look at it in this province. Is there a jurisdiction that we can look to to say they're getting it right? Well, I mean, in Canada, Alberta, you know, uh, has always uh, been a jurisdiction with no rent control, and and you know they've had um, uh, you know steady steady growth in terms of new new supply. Although you know they're pay playing some catch up now uh, because they've had huge immigration from all provinces outside of Canada. Uh, so you know, this, I think they got the market there got caught uh, caught uh, flat-footed a little bit. Um, the but you know, there's a great example here uh, in 2021. So m the state of Minnesota basically said, okay, we, to, to all the cities, we want some form of rent control, and uh, so Minneapolis, St. Paul, you know, the sister twin cities, whatever they call them. Um, Minneapolis was vehemently opposed and, and fought back against the state uh, government. Um, and and uh, St. Paul decided, no, we're going to implement rent control. Three months after they did so, 
80% of the rental applications for new construction evaporated. Mm -hmm. They all went to, to Minneapolis. Minneapolis in the first year of basically St. Paul having rent control, them not, saw the, the number of units started, completed, what have you, various stages, increased by over 30%. And it's continuing today. And so in the interim, St. Paul has basically, uh, you know- uh, Stagnated. They basically looked at ways that they could adjust the rent control to basically transition out of it mm -hmm. because they, they've lost all this potential new housing and they need it. So it was, it was really interesting to see that because, you know, many of the studies that we have are, you know, from early 90s, late 90s or sooner. This was like a real, uh, real world example, very current you know, just very graphic example of two cities side by side and how, how that uh, decision by one uh, impacted them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a similar opportunity here, but again, you know, we're looking for a, a thoughtful conversation on it and, uh, and, and looking at a transitional approach here. But uh, right now it's not on the table. And the, like, again, the tool that we feel can have the most positive impact in terms of adding significant supply is just not part of the conversation and it needs to be. Well, you need to be part of that conversation as well. Uh, yes. <laughs> thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening and please visit conversationsthatmatter.ca and become a subscriber. And thank you to Audlin Brown, BD Developments and Stem Cell Technologies for their support.